It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Growing up with such a beloved quilt made by her grandmother, Beth Goody also wanted to make quilts for her children when they came along. She's been able to take her Instagram handle, Goody Goods, and keep that for her business name as she offers several quilting services to the quilting community. Beth, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life today. Thank you for having me. Uh-huh. Let's start with where were you born and raised? I was born in Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. And we did some moving around because my dad was a helicopter pilot in the Navy for 20 years. And so they were doing a lot of moving around in my early life. We went from Florida to California. And then I lived in Hawaii when I was a young girl. And then we moved to Kansas. So I've been in Kansas for a long time. My parents wanted to retire here because they both met each other in Kansas. They grew up here. My dad went to KU. They met in a church in Baldwin out by Lawrence, Kansas. So they wanted to kind of retire here and have us set our roots here. And I didn't really understand the big move when I was younger. I was like, wait, seriously, we're moving to Kansas um, from Hawaii. This is where you want me to live for the rest of my life. But I've stayed in the same part of town. So me and my husband actually, you know, our house is a mile apart from both of our childhood homes. Our kids will go to the same school district. And it's really cool to still be in this town that we both grew up in and met each other in too. So. Wow. How neat. Yeah. (laughs) I love those roots. How about a special childhood memory? Ooh, see, now that I'm talking about Hawaii, there is a memory from there that is kind of silly, but we're really big music lovers. And Jack Johnson was really big out in Hawaii at the time when we were living there. He still is. But he actually came to my elementary school when I was attending and he did a reduce, reuse, recycle pep assembly where he did like a concert and everything. And at the end of the concert, you know, he's in the gymnasium and all the kids are, teachers are trying to settle them down and get them in line. And my teacher told me, Beth, you need to sit down. We're getting in line, you know? And I said, "Mm -mm." and I went and I got Jack Johnson's autograph. But the silly thing is I got it on my hand And I came home and my parents were huge Jack Johnson fans. And this was the age before you had a camera on your phone or anything. And they're like, Beth, that's awesome. But why didn't you have him sign your shirt or something? And I was like, well, I thought you'd be upset that he would ruin my shirt because I was so young. And it washed off in the shower. And so that's always like something that they give me grief for still to this day. But yeah, kind of a silly memory. I have nothing to show for it, but I got Jack Johnson's autograph. So that's cool. (laughs) That is fun. So besides quilting, did you have other employment? Primarily, I'm a stay-at-home mom. 
I did a few years in college. I went to a community college in town and I just like had nothing that I wanted to do. Like I had nothing inspiring me to actually commit to retaking these high school classes pretty much. So I was like, this is a waste of my time. And I stopped going and I just did, you know, small part-time jobs around town, met my husband, then we had a child and I became a stay-at-home mom and I love it. I feel like life worked out just the way it needed to for me. Right now, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've got three kids. I have a five-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter, a one-year-old daughter. And we will be welcoming our fourth child, another boy, on February 28th is when surgery is scheduled. So we'll have four kids. So that's quite a job. And then to keep life fun, I also help run my local quilt shop's social media. So I do all of that for them. And then I also help out Laura Pylan from Slice of Pie. I help her with her online quilters sale discount Facebook page. So I kind of have some side gigs going along with custom quilting and now long arm quilting. So yeah, no career that I went to school for that I'm formally trained for, but I got crafty. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And congratulations on having another child. Thank you so much. It's our last baby. So I'm savoring every minute, trying not to complain these last couple weeks of pregnancy. Because I know I'll miss it, so. Mm-hmm. I remember getting up to do something in those last couple of weeks, and I'd be sitting down within five to ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just getting out of bed is like a cardio workout in itself. And I'm finally to the point now when I have quilts coming in, I'm like, I'll be very loud about it. I'll say it loud enough for my husband to hear like, oh man, I have to cut this batting and it's on the roller underneath my machine. So he'll quickly come down and help me measure it out and get on his all fours and cut it out for me. And so I have a lot of help, but (laughs) it is a lot sometimes. Yeah. We kind of covered already how you ended up back in Kansas. Is there anything else you want to tell me about that? I like it here. I think Kansas is a great place to like raise your family. So I am grateful that we made this move. I'm glad that I made it out here. But eventually, I would love to like once my kids are all grown and family kind of spreads out more because we are all like really close, which is great. But to kind of want to move somewhere else is kind of impossible when you want to stay close to family that won't be moving with you. So eventually, I would love to end out in like Seattle or Oregon. I love the rain. I love the mountains. I love the ocean. So my goal one day is to get out of Kansas because I've been here a long time. It's great, but I want to go explore and live somewhere where it's like rainy and you can go hiking and have a lot of fun. So that's my goal one day. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Beth, about your family? A special thing about my family would be being able to use like this hobby and craft for them. So like I really wanted to be able to make them quilts because my grandmother made me quilts growing up and they were so special. I had no idea what went into a quilt, but I had like that admiration and appreciation for it already. 
And so it's been really cool to be able to make quilts for my family. So making quilts for my grandmother, who is like a phenomenal quilter. She's amazing. She does cross stitch. She does knitting. She does all the things and she's a master of all of them. So it was really fun to be able to make her a quilt and making my kids quilts. It's a goal of mine every year. And maybe I'm a little bit crazy now that we're up to four kids, but my goal is every year to make them a quilt for their birthday or Christmas, something that they have from that year from me so that when I'm long gone, they have something that is like deeply connected to their mom and something that they can maybe give to their kids too. So that's been really special to be able to use this and gift it to family. I've been able to do a lot of that. Neat. Are there other crafts that you do? I taught myself how to crochet last year. I can say last year now. So 2022. I have always wanted to learn. I taught myself how to knit a few years ago when my husband and I were still dating. I just made a ton of these swatches. And one day, one day, right, I'm going to sew them all together and it'll be like a giant chunky knit blanket. So yeah, I I got into crochet because I enjoyed knitting, but my hands got super sweaty all the time. And I just thought watching people crochet, it's so cool. Like they just get in a rhythm and it looks like magic. And so I got into that and I learned amigurumi, which is the art of crocheting like 3D objects. So stuffed animals and balls and stuff like that. And I had a lot of fun. I did that a while and I have a ton of yarn, but quilting has taken so much time and my business and my jobs and my family. I haven't been able to do a lot of crochet or amigurumi lately. I would love to get back into it because again, it's so meditative, but I really enjoy that. In high school, I played the clarinet. So that's kind of a hobby. I was first chair. So I have to brag a little bit. I was first chair, which is kind of a big deal. My husband and I always joke with each other about that, but I love music. So that would probably be a hobby if you can consider it, listening to music, finding new music. In high school and before I found quilting, I really never had a hobby or a craft. I would try things and I would get burnt out. I would buy all the materials for it, get started, get excited, and then drop it and not do it. And I just wasn't ever like good at anything. Now I wasn't good at quilting for a long time either, but I just kept going because I loved it so much. So yeah, I didn't really have anything else that I was so attached to before quilting. Do you think any of your other crafts or your hobbies show up in your quilting? Not currently, but I'm hoping to use some of that yarn that's just sitting now to incorporate into quilting. I would love to try couching this year, either on my long arm or on my domestic. I would love to try and use some of that yarn. I've seen people do it, and I think it's just so cool. You can add a bunch of cool texture to your projects. So if that counts, maybe my yarn... Love will show up in quilting this year. We'll see. (laughs) I think I've seen that done, but can you describe it a little bit to tell others what couching is? Yeah. So couching is when you take yarn and you put, usually it's a specialty foot on your machine 
and you thread that yarn through it and your needle stitches that yarn down to your project. So you're basically quilting with yarn. You're stitching it down with your thread, but it adds really cool texture. You can use chunky yarn, you know, small yarn. You can really get creative with it and do like a bunch of like improv too. So one day it's going to (laughs) happen. I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) That would be neat. Tell us about who introduced you to quilting. So I would say initially my grandmother was the one that introduced me to quilting. I knew that she had always made quilts. She made me and my sister quilts growing up. I still, I'm not even kidding, sleep with her quilt that she made me for my graduation, 18th birthday present, Christmas. It was all like a shebang, all in one. And I still sleep with it. And I thought it was so cool, a little side note, when I finally was like getting to know what I was doing in quilting, I was like, oh, that quilt that I have been sleeping with for 10 years is actually a rag quilt. And I know how to make that. That's pretty cool. So she would probably be the first one to introduce me to it and ultimately made me get into it because I was complaining to my husband, not a lot, but I would just mention it in passing and I'd be like, man, this one quilt has a hole in it and I just wish I knew how to sew. I wish I could quilt this or I wish I could shut it because I was having to fold it up and put it away and forget about it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to fix it. It's a beautiful piece that my grandmother made me. And she doesn't live near us. So it's not like I can, hey, grandma, can you come over and fix this for me? And so 2019, my husband surprised me and he went to Walmart with his parents because his mom is a quilter. And he was like, I've heard Beth talk about wanting to fix her quilts. I'd love to get her a sewing machine. What do you guys recommend? So I thought that was really cool that he involved his parents and kind of got some help. And he surprised me with a sewing machine. And little did he know that it would turn into what it has now because I started and I did not stop. So I would say my grandmother started it. She planted the seed. My husband kind of facilitated it. (laughs) And then my mother-in-law actually helped me learn how to quilt. She helped me learn how to cut iron She helped me piece my first quilt for my son. That was like, oh, I need to make a quilt. I'm making it for my firstborn. So she helped me. And it was really cool to be able to like bond with her over that. And we still do quilts together. So that's really cool. We'll work on things together for clients and she'll give me her quilts and I'll quilt them for her. And I've been able to teach her stuff now. So that's really cool too. How fun. Yeah. It's so great to get together with others to quilt, but to do it within family, I think would be really cool. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. I'm really lucky because not a lot of people can say they're lucky to have like a mother-in-law that they like. (laughs) I love being around her. I love quilting with her. My sister-in-law, she is huge into macrame and clay earrings, and she really wanted to get into quilting. So I have her come over and I teach her about her machine and I have helped her piece quilts before. We had a foundation paper piecing party at my in-law's house because they both wanted to learn. And I love FPP. And I was like, whenever you guys are ready, just give me a call and I'll come over and I'll teach you. And so we had an FPP night where I taught them both how to do it. And 
we went to like Angela Walters quilt walk this year, which is a really cool thing about Kansas is we're connected to a lot of cool places. We've got Angela Walters and then we've got Hamilton really close. So those are really cool things that we can do together and not have to like travel super far, like quilt con or stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Whether it's one that you made or maybe your grandma's that she made for you, do you have a favorite quilt? (laughs) That's like asking which one's my favorite kid. (laughs) I would probably say just for like my whole quilting story, the one that just started it all was probably the first quilt that my grandmother made me. I'm a huge bird nerd. I guess I could have mentioned that as well as a hobby, I guess. I love bird watching. I love birds. When I was younger, my grandmother and my grandfather lived close. They live in Arizona now. So I grew up going out to their house and we would watch this giant tree in their front yard and there'd be birds everywhere. And we would just sit there and watch birds. My grandfather would collect feathers when he'd go fishing and everything. And so this first quilt that my grandmother made me is so special. She named it Birds for Beth. She always puts like the cutest handwritten labels with illustrations and everything on there. So it's Birds for Beth. I believe it was in like 2008 was when it was dated. And the whole quilt top is applique and it has bird houses and birds and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And it's really special because all of the fabric is cut up pieces of the dresses that I wore when I was a little girl. So When I tell you this woman, my grandmother is so talented. She even had little hand stitched little birds on there in the background in white thread on white fabric. Like who else would see that but a quilter? I mean, she's so talented. So I would say that's probably the most special quilt that I have. And it is folded up. It is put away because it is something that I don't want to further (laughs) destroy because I used them every single night for years. And so, yeah, that's probably the most special one that has been made for me. I love it so dearly. (laughs) That sounds really neat. Wow. And now that you're a quilter, you can appreciate even more all the work that went into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, she does hand binding I'm sure that was all hand applique, the hand quilting, and even my mother-in-law. She had spent all of her years doing hand quilting at her son's like baseball games. She didn't know how to attach binding with her machine or how to quilt with her machine or stuff like that. So it's just one really cool to admire that from them and be like, wow, like I don't have the patience, the skill or the time to do that. But also to be able to be like, hey, do you want to learn how to attach the binding with your machine? So that's been really cool to kind of connect the generations and like the differences grow with each other a little bit. Wow. So what's a tool that you're so happy you have and don't think you could do quilting without? I was thinking about this for a while. And I think it's so funny if my friend Heather... When she listens to this, she's going to giggle and she can take complete ownership over this because it took a while for me to get on board. 
I love notions. I am the first person to see something new and be like, oh, I want to buy that. I want to try it. I want to see if it improves my quilting or if it's fun, whatever. If it's novelty, even better. I love just gimmicky stuff. So when she told me, Beth, you need a stripology ruler. I was like, okay, okay. And I go online and I look and I'm like, $80 for a ruler? Oh no, I'm not doing that. And so it took a long time for me to finally get on board. She did a lot of motivating. So I bought the stripology ruler and then it sat here. It sat in my sewing room because I'm so attached or I was so attached to my six by 24 inch ruler. That thing is like, that's my baby. And so we would be on video chats together. And she's like, Beth, why are you using that ruler? Where is your stripology ruler? Do I need to show you how to use it? Come on, get it out. Do your binding with it. So yeah, it took a long, long time for her to finally get me to start using it. Once I did, I was like, what the heck have I been doing all this time? I can cut all of these pieces like that. I can get my binding strips cut. So now I have all three sizes of the stripology ruler. <laughs> and I absolutely love it. It's a great tool. It is expensive, but I will say it's so worth it. It's so, so worth it. So if you've been on the fence, just give it a go. And if you don't love it, you can sell it and make your money back. <laughs> can I ask, what's the largest size that comes in? It's extra large is the largest size. I actually have it behind me because I was just cutting fabric. <laughs> it goes zero to 20, but you have an inch on each side that you could use. So it could be 22 inches and then it goes up to 13. I like that I can cut yardage and I can cut strips. You do have to fold your yardage down to fit. With That's what stuff. I was wondering if you had to fold yeah. or not. Now, how accurate are you? See, I'm looking into this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> how accurate are you in folding that so that it doesn't go wonky? You fold the width of fabric down and then you square it up with your first cut at zero and then you go from there. So this doesn't really matter. What really matters is when you fold your yardage lengthwise in half to make sure that your fold where you're lining up the bottom of your ruler is straight. So that's how you're going to ensure you get a straight cut. But when you fold this part down just to fit it inside the stripology ruler, it doesn't affect it. Okay, that's what I'm concerned about is that top fold. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> I'll be the Heather to you. I'm going to motivate you. <laughs> well, I interviewed Becky Ware. It takes about 45 minutes, maybe an hour to drive over to where she is. And I've been going to go to her shop for a year now and buy that ruler. I said I'd buy it from her. But things keep keeping me from going. So anyway. Do it. Do it. <laughs> With all the steps in quilting, which is your favorite step or do you like each step along the way? Ooh, that's a good question. I like most steps along the way. I think my least favorite would be ironing. Oh, my gosh. I'm better at it now than I was last year and the year before I used to not iron I used to just try to get away with it <laughs> but now I'm to the point where 
I iron while I'm piecing so my blocks are nice and flat. I feel like becoming a long armor has changed my standards in my own piecing, in my own quilting. So I don't mind taking the time to iron and make sure that they're really flat because it makes it easier for me later on. I love binding. I know a lot of people don't like to bind. I really love it. I do it on my machine. I did try hand binding for the first time last year in the car on the way home from Colorado. And, you know, I'm not super confident that that is going to stay together, but I had a great time doing that. Yeah, I would say there's not really a part that I don't like. And again, now that I have a long arm, I don't have to baste. So I guess if I didn't have a long arm, I would say the one part that I hate the most is crawling on the floor and basting a quilt. That is not fun. And I've done it multiple times while very pregnant. (laughs) So I'm very happy and thankful that I don't have to do that this time around. (laughs) Sometimes I think it would be worth the long arm just to not have to do that. Oh, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Describe your worst quilting experience. Ooh, I would say like starting out when I was first getting into quilting. I don't know if it's like the worst story, but it happened a lot and it was really annoying for the longest time. And it was probably because I wasn't basting my quilts properly, but I would always get to the quilting part and my fabric would be folding over on the backing. Like I would have my quilt sandwich rolled up and I would start doing it. And then I would notice when I was all done that like my backing on the other side was folding over and then I'd have to seam rip the whole thing. So that wasn't fun. I guess a recent one, I'm not picking at my husband. Okay. So my husband has been watching me quilt and he would go to the quilt shop with me and he noticed this dragon line and it's got like a dragon panel and dragon scale fabric. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. I would love to make a quilt out of that. And so last year for his birthday, I went to the quilt shop and I bought him fabric so that he could make his own quilt. When I get home and he's like, why did you spend money on fabric for me? You should have gotten fabric for you. And I'm like, oh, shush it. You're going to make this quilt. And so he went and he made the quilt. And this is the second quilt that he made. Okay. So he made a quilt for his brother last year as well. So this is the second one. It is a panel quilt. So us quilters know how panels can be tricky. I have issues with panel quilts sometimes, but I wasn't expecting a ton of problems because I was like, well, he doesn't have to do a lot of piecing. He's just bordering, really. So he finishes his quilt and he's like, no rush on getting this quilted. And I had other stuff going. I was like, no rush, no rush. And then finally hit the point he was like, hey, that quilt down there would be pretty cool if it got done. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm on it. I loaded that quilt. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There was an open seam, which was something newer to me as a newer long armor. And then there were a lot of like wavy borders. So I had to do tucks. And I also ran over a pin because Prego Brain, me didn't crop out my last row and his backing was not big enough because you're supposed to have overage on all four sides. He did not. And I was like, I can make it work. We'll be good. And no, I did not make it work. And I blew out my timing on my machine and I had a customer quilt that needed to be quilted. And 
oh my gosh, I was like, I just broke this machine. It's so expensive. And now I can't work on my customer quilt. And I kept saying that his quilt was haunted and it messed up my machine, but it ended up being fine. He loves the quilt. It looks great. I put a patch on the open seam, but I always give him grief like, oh gosh, that quilt. I don't know. (laughs) Pretty bad. (laughs) But it's pretty cool. It's a good quilt. (laughs) Well, it went from such a simple project to not so simple. No, and expensive. (laughs) (laughs) So have you thought about why you spend your time quilting rather than working on something else? It's probably the most rewarding thing I do outside of being a mom. It's pretty cool to make something, whether it be as a gift or for charity or for fun. It's nice to make something with my hands and I struggle with anxiety. I get very stressed. Both of us are home all the time. COVID changed everything. And my husband now works from home every day, but one day a week. And so I just needed something of my own. I need something outside of being a mom, outside of being a wife, outside of everything else, something that was just mine that I can focus on. I can retreat to. Yeah, I think that's why I've latched on to it so much and I've continued it is because it's my little thing. It's something that I can do for me or I can do for others that makes me feel good. And it's just therapeutic. It's so fun and therapeutic, repetitive processes. I just love it. And it's cool to grow and be able to be like, yeah, I'm a quilter. And like get in the community, get in the guilds, make friends who love to do it too. It's my little slice of earth that. It's not attached to the rest of my life. Pretty cool. Yeah. We might have covered this already. So do I understand you make your quilts for your family? Yeah. So it started out, I'm just going to make quilts for my kids. And I'm going to make quilts for my friends' kids and my kids' friends. And it started that way. And I was posting my stuff on Facebook. And my parents' neighbor, who I grew up with, messaged me and she was like, how much would you sell one of those for? And I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, how do you even price something like this? One, I don't know what I'm doing. And two, I don't know how to charge for this or even how much I'm spending on fabric. I'm just having a ball at Joanne right now. So I'm not tracking anything. So it started out as something that I was just going to do for myself and family. I had no idea that it would eventually turn into a business. So I credit that first customer and she's purchased like 13 quilts from me now. So she's had me from the very beginning and she gets one for everyone in her family. And then since from her, other people reach out, I post my stuff online and people are like, Hey, can I order one? Or I want this one. Are you free? And I'm like, sure. I love doing that. It is really fun when I have the time to do like personal projects because turning it into a business does take away your time to do it whenever you want for whoever you want. But yeah, initially it was just for friends and family and now it's for friends, family and customers. (laughs) (laughs) I either like to ask, what are you working on now or how many projects do you have going on? If you have asked me... A couple months ago, if I'm like a one at a time or working 
progress maniac. I would say typically I'm a one at a time, maybe two at a time. I don't have the bandwidth to work on 10 different things at once. None of those things are going to get done if I start 10 at one time. But now that I have like a surgery date and I like a definite arrival date for our son, I'm like, okay, I've got like 50 something days until this baby gets here. What can we crank out? And so I just bound and finished the first quilt of 2023. It was a snowflake quilt that I pieced at retreat. And so that's all done. I have another one that I need to bind for charity quilt. And then I have two quilts cut out. I thought it would be fun on a whim to make a Valentine's Day quilt because Valentine's Day is coming and I don't have a Valentine's Day quilt. So we must have one for all the holidays. So I have a whole quilt cut for that. And then I'm also a pattern tester. So I have a pattern test that I need to get done by like mid-February. So I'm cutting out that fabric and I'm making it a baby size and I'm going to give it to my son because I like giving my babies quilts in the hospital. I think it's really sweet. They can just grow up with it and be like, this was my birth quilt or something. So I have some fabric cut out for a couple quilts right now. And then I just have customer quilts coming in for long arming. So that's about it. But I feel like I have a lot more going on now than I typically would if I wasn't like constantly in my head, like, okay, tick tock, tick tock. We're going to be slowing down here for real. So get going. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> so much. Share a quilting tip. It's pretty cliche. So don't hate me. But this was like the first tip that I heard that like really resonated me, especially when I was brand new. And I talk to a lot of quilters now too. And whether it's like they're learning something new or they're just starting, it's like you get so frustrated that you're not, you're not getting it or you're not perfect or your binding doesn't look good or your tension's not great or there's just something, there's a hill and you can't get over it and you're getting so upset. So you just stop. I'm like, just keep failing because like we learn the most when we fail, when things go wrong. It like triggers our brain to be like, we don't want this to happen again. Let's figure it out. Let's get better. Let's learn. And your quilts don't have to be perfect. They really don't have to be perfect. They don't come from a factory. You're hand making something. So don't be discouraged when you're starting something new or you're just getting into quilting and you're like, my quilts don't look like this woman's quilt who's been quilting for 40 years and she does everything by hand and I can't continue this. No, just keep going. Yeah, the saying, I guess, is finished is better than perfect. Just finish it and then finish 10 more and then look back at that first one and be like, oh, wow, like I've come a long way and really that wasn't that bad. So yeah, we're all our own worst critic. Just got to chill. Just go with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great tip. Do you have a name for your business yet? I do. So it actually started on Instagram. So I was like, I need to come up with a clever handle. Okay. And my last name is Goody. So I go by Goody Goods. So it started as an Instagram profile and then it turned into Goody Goods custom quilts and now long arming. And then I also have YouTube. So I go by Goody Goods because it just works. and. 
I like that it's open-ended. It's goods because I also like to make placemats and baby bibs and stuff like that. And I didn't want to like box myself into just quilting, even though that's really what I focus on. But also goody goods. It's just fun. (laughs) It's fun to say. Yeah. Now, is that one word or two? It's two words. (laughs) (laughs) When it's online, it doesn't space it out, but... It's supposed to be two words. <laughs> okay. So it's G-U-D-E-G-O-O-D-S. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you started to long arm for others. Do you remember getting that first quilt that someone was going to pay you to long arm for you and how exciting that was? Oh, my gosh. Exciting is maybe not the word I would <laughs> I would choose. Definitely exciting. I would say maybe more of a relief because I was like, oh, someone's going to send me their quilt so I can help pay off this machine. That's great. Plan is going as planned. It's going well. But I was terrified because I have been quilting for so long and I know exactly what goes into making a quilt. And I'm like, if I mess up somebody's quilt, I would never be able to forgive myself. And I would just be shamed my whole life and I'd be cursed. So I was actually really, really scared to quilt for others, even though I knew that's what I needed to do and that's what I wanted to do. I feel like this happens just even in my custom quilting part. It's always really stressful or more stressful to do something for someone new. So if I have a new client, whether it be for custom quilts or edge to edge, I'm so much more on guard and I'm like more stressed out because it's like, I'm not acquainted with this person and I want it to be perfect. And I don't want them to have one thing done for me and never want anything done for me again. And so whenever I get stuff in from someone new, I kind of freak out a little bit. But it was exciting because that was a legitimate fear when we bought the long arm. I was like, how am I going to establish myself? so many people have long arms, so many people have businesses. How am I going to be able to set myself apart and be able to support buying this thing? So it was kind of like, you kind of just have to jump into it blind and hope that it works out. And so when that first quilt came in, I was like, okay, there's a glimmer of hope that this, you know, crazy idea of mine might work out (laughs) and I won't be in debt forever. (laughs) So yeah, exciting, scary, stressful, all the things. It's a ongoing thing though, because new quilts come in, new people order, and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope you love it. I hope you love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard they had to go into business to pay for the machine. So yeah, those are expensive, but they sure look nice. Yeah. I couldn't justify getting the machine and not getting the software. So I have a handy quilter Amara with the pro stitcher. And that was a really big thing that we were debating. We were like, do we get the software? Because it almost doubles the price of the machine, just the software. And with the intent of turning it into a business and getting quilts in for edge to edge, I was like, it makes no sense to get this machine without it. If I'm really going to try and make this something, we need it. And so then it was even more pressure because you're spending more money and you're like, oh, cross your fingers. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you're a pattern tester. 
How did you get into that? It started with foundation paper piecing. So I love foundation paper piecing. I challenged myself to learn how to do that. Hated it at first because I didn't understand it. And I remember the first day that I tried it, I kept going up and down the stairs. I would like mess up and I would have to walk away and go upstairs and I would be muttering stuff and complaining. And my husband's like, Beth, just chill out. Okay. Just give it some time. And I'm like, no. And I'd come back down and force myself to learn and figure it out. So I got really into that and I started pattern testing for the Cranky Kangaroo on Instagram. She does a lot of stuff with legit kits now, which is like a huge business. It's fantastic. So I started with her for foundation paper piecing patterns, testing hers out, making sure they were good and there weren't any errors. And then I started pattern testing for other creators. And then I also got into traditional pattern testing. So I do both and it's really fun. I just really like it. You get to try out a pattern before anyone else. It's kind of like a detective game. Like, ooh, I found an error. Let's fix it. And it's really cool to have that relationship with pattern writers. Wow. I'm curious, what do you get out of it? Do you get paid plus the material to make it? Or do you just get the material? Or do you have to buy the material? That's a great question. And it actually is a huge debate in the quilting community right now, especially online, especially on Instagram. If you go on there and you see this just huge debate about what pattern writers should be offering for their testers. Obviously, big companies like Legit Kits and places like that, they have a lot more resources and finances to be able to like finance their testing give fabric, give materials, pay for time. But really, I don't think I've been paid for any of my testing. I just do it because I love it. And I provide my own materials because I've got a lot of fabric. I need to use it somehow. But there are pattern writers like Tara Lee Quiltery and some others who make it a point to compensate their testers, whether that be with money or material or both. But a big thing about the testing is you do get some sort of recognition or advertisement. So when I do a test quilt, I'm expected to get it done by a certain amount of time. I provide my own materials and everything. And then I also provide like the photos and the corrections and I send that over. And in return, they post my photo and say, oh, goody goods, tested this pattern. And so for me, that's good enough. For others, that is a debate. Should there be more compensation from pattern writers? And what's really fair for people who are just like one person run business trying to sell patterns because they're not making a million dollars, you know? So it is a big thing. I'm not too heated about it. I just enjoy it. It's fun. I do it because I like it. Thank you. Is there anything else about your business you wanted to share? Eventually, I'll be getting a website, hopefully. I tried putting together a Shopify, and I feel so bad because my sister-in-law is a graphic designer, and my brother-in-law is really great with tech, and they, like, coded a whole thing. And right last minute, I was like, I'm actually not feeling paying $200 for this website because I'm not an inventory-run business. So my hope and my goal is to get a website put together to where 
it's easier for my customers to like fill out forms and do their quilts that way. And that way I have all my information and you don't have to ask me a ton of questions because, you know, I don't mind answering them, but I know people are busy. And then I guess the other part would be I can also create foundation paper piecing patterns. So that is something that I offer if you have something that you would like to be made into an FPP pattern that you're not finding somewhere, I can most likely help you. So that's another part of what I do. And I enjoy to do that as well. So Beth, how can we contact you? You can contact me through my Instagram. And I also have a Facebook. I have an email, goodygoods at gmail.com. If you are not into all of the social media stuff, it's overwhelming. I understand. So those are probably the three best ways. I'm really active on Instagram. That's where I share a lot of my current projects and client quilts. And I also have YouTube. I was really good at posting tutorials and videos and stuff on there. So if you're active on YouTube, you can contact me through there as well. Great. And we'll have your links also on your episode page on aquilterslife.com. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I so appreciate getting to hear your story. Oh, I had a blast. And I really appreciate you letting me be on here. So fun. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you.